Are we live? Yeah? Good, all right. Well, this is kind of new for all, all of us folks. Um, there's, I think, six people in the church building as we speak. I know, um, I think we have over 200 folks at this point uh, watching our live stream. Um, it's not a typical Wednesday night service. I know a number of you are in your home fellowships. A number of folks are tuning in for the first time. Uh, just a lot of anxiety out there. You know what? Uh, I think what we'll do is, um, this is, this is going to be an audible. But I think every night at 7 o'clock for a half hour, I'll give you some updates, a couple of things to pray for, and a, a couple of encouraging scriptures, half hour at the most, so you can tune in. We'll just call it a fireside chat. Um, it's probably going to exhaust everybody, but, and if we, if I burned out the staff, then uh, I'll tell you at the next broadcast. How's that sound? Yeah. Sounds good to them. They're happy? <laughs> you know what? This is an interesting one. I think we might be able to have a call in here. Um, this is, uh, some we go, hang on. <laughs> this is, you got to kind of wing it here. Charlie, you there? So uh, we're on a live stream with the folks from our church and some others around the country. And um, you just got off Fox News with Steve Hilton. And uh, tonight we've got uh, David Glinky, who's going to give us um, your, your financial planner. You're also an American Airlines pilot. So you're, you're going to be able to talk about the travel industry, at least uh, the airlines, and also what we're facing um, in the country financially. But here they, they basically put us equivalent to casinos. That, that there's no spiritual nature or efficacy in anything we do. And uh, it's an honor to be with you guys wherever this goes. I know it's going to be blessed, so thank you. Well, I, I want to thank you on behalf of an older generation that you're reclaiming the culture. We are in an unprecedented time in the history of our nation. If we understand that God uh, and justice go hand in hand. Yes, this is the 100th episode, and yes, inmates have taken over the asylum. And wow. <laughs> That's a rob. I'm just going to show you how this, this works. This is the last time I get to do this a fireside chat. Do fire fire side chat. Yeah. This starts uh, like this. Okay, so that's not too and, bad. And, and then just like it just normal. starts like, like this. What? So that's a fireside chat. And we light the candle. There it is. That, um, you did not warn Fireside me. chats need a little fire. Wow. Let's just... Uh, <laughs> Step, step it up, 2.0. That's not fireside. That's like fireside well, chat. Wow. No other place in the world that has the guidance of the Constitution that is like America. So with all of our adversities, God has been able to push us to a position where we can sit around like this and have meaningful conversations. Two hundredth episode. <laughs> it's hard to believe. Uh, March what sixteenth? We started this. And uh, I didn't expect it to last maybe a month at the most. And here we are into October, 200 episodes. And uh, I, I'm, I'm baffled as to all of this. I mean, um, we've had some great guests. I, I never expected to see this thing grow. I mean, uh, you guys know all the statistics and what's transpired with this YouTube channel and the live stream. I call it a live stream. We called it a fireside chat. We've never had a fireplace. <laughs> I love what Kirk Cameron did. I didn't realize that, uh, the torch. But I, I wanted to just, at 200 episodes, I just wanted to talk to y'all. And I, I've been missing everybody. Um, I've been on the road. I, I've been doing what we call the, the Charlie Kirk 
crazy train tour um, and just trying to keep up with that young man. He just turned 27 uh, this month. But uh, yeah, uh, we went Texas, Florida, North Carolina, back to California. Um, then you know, it was just crazy. And then, then we went to um, uh, Chino Hills, then to Hemet, Hemet to San Jose, San Jose to San Diego. Uh, and then I took a day off today and tomorrow starts the crazy train again. Um, and we've had folks filling in, covering, but we're pushing up until the election, November 3rd. And we just got a handful of days left. The most critical election probably since 1860. Uh, this, this nation is up against it. And we've been watching churches respond. And if you remember back uh, March 16th, we didn't know the severity of the virus. You saw early on Dr. Evans, who is on the program with us, and uh, he was laying out how a virus works, and he gave us great medical insights, and um, we, had, we started to progress in our understanding. We took a look at the data every night, and as this began to grow, we started to realize more and more and how critical this evening was for all of us because... We were getting on this live stream what we weren't getting in the mainstream media and everyone seemed to calm down and more people seemed to tune in. And then as the virus took on a political nature um, and, and we started to come into our, our Holy Week in early April, you, you remember this, we went from March 16th and then we come into the Holy Week where it's Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday, the, the most critical week in Christendom. And as you know, God Speaks celebrates that sacrament of the first Sunday of the month, which was April 4th. And I was still on the city council. The city council was still meeting, uh, socially distancing, and we were doing, you know, call in and the whole bit. Everyone was trying to figure out what it was all about. But then the governor came out and said that churches weren't essential. He declared cannabis distributors and liquor stores and, and, and abortion clinics as essential. And, and, and yet he would declare the church non-essential during our Holy Week. And so um, we followed CDC standards, as you all remember, and the sanctuary holds 400. We put 10 chairs in. Took over three hours to do communion for everyone. The press came out and descended, um, wanted to prove that we were going to be killing everybody because, you know, a church shouldn't do what the governor says you're not allowed to do, even though he's in violation, governing by our consent, bound by the Constitution, which has the First Amendment that says government shall, anyways, we'll just leave that alone. But we did it. And when the press came out, they reported it properly. They said it was probably one of the cleanest places in all of Ventura County, uh, even contending with the quote-unquote essential um, businesses that the governor had deemed essential. And then it didn't get any better. I, I resigned from the council because I knew that they'd have to censure me. And I love my colleagues on the council. And they're having to contend with the county and the state. And they had their plate full. And they'd still be having to censure me. And it would still be difficult for them. Because the governor hasn't relented. He's gone to, to the place where he has shut down churches completely. And, and then he gave us the six boxes. And then moved the metrics to four colors. And it, it's just the, the moving goalposts. And now we're into this lockdown with this tyrannical order of our governor and these draconian measures. And we've watched our, our citizens struggle. And as you know, 
May 31st, we, we opened up as a church. We, we then had the data. We had been educated on this live stream. We had had no less than 10 doctors and two psychologists. Now I think 12 doctors have been on the program. And we did the ionization machines and the UV lights and the air ducts and hand sanitizers, but we didn't do masks because we had done the studies. We had looked at the data. We didn't do social distancing because we had done the studies. We had looked at the data. And here we are since May 31st wide open and we're into October and uh, we haven't had one case of COVID in the church, not one. And uh, granted, if there was a case of COVID, you, you know they would be reporting it. They'd be going nuts. They, they can't find it. It just doesn't, it hasn't happened. And then we were taken to court in a, an emergency restraining order and, and uh, they, they said on a scale of one to 10, the judge said we're a 10 as far as a danger to the community. Not one case of COVID. Of course, we violated that restraining order and they fined us and they wanted to bring the police out to take whatever means necessary to shut us down. And, and we're watching this happen in our country. Who would have ever thought we'd be releasing convicts into the streets. We'd be burning businesses, 75% of which were Jewish owned, burning and looting businesses in LA and the governor praising BLM Inc. And then our elected officials who govern by our consent would be wanting to shut down churches. What, who would have ever thought? And now the data's coming out. We're starting to see it. They, they condemn Sweden, and now they're, they're praising Sweden. New York Times, Sweden's evil. Now New York Times, they did it right. We knew that. We covered it early. You remember it. You were here. You've been with us for 200 episodes. You've seen it all. I mean, this is exciting to know that the stuff we were saying early is proven to be true. And, and none of it is wrong. We, we've done a, a good job. And you've been with us for 200 episodes seeing this. And, and now we're looking and, and we're realizing this doesn't have anything to do with the virus. Because when they put us on the stand, they put me on the stand uh, when we were in violation of that. Well, actually, when they were given that restraining order, we had to go and stand before the three witnesses that, that the, the county had put up. And they were going to testify. And they'd been out here and they had a 61-page report. And we showed pictures of the county health officers that had written the 61-page report. We showed pictures of them in their car, shoulder to shoulder, no masks. But they were going to, you know, call us on 61 pages of no social distancing, no mask. While they're violating it, double standard. And then they put me on the stand. And we had the Freedom of Information Act. So we were able to share because we'd gotten it from the county. We pushed for it. And at the time, there was a little over 100 tragic victims attributed to COVID in our county of 856,000. But we pointed out to the judge, we, I swore to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Of all the cases at that moment, there were only two that, uh, that had died from COVID. A man in his 90s and a woman in her late 70s. The rest were all with COVID. A fentanyl overdose, young man, fentanyl overdose, tested positive for COVID, COVID death. Now we're starting to see, what is this about? And what a sad state of affairs. And, and now we've been pushing, going across the country, calling churches to open. Because this is no longer about a virus. This is about liberty. It's always been about liberty. The church is essential. It's always been essential. We've never wavered from that. It's come at great cost. We've been accused of violating Romans 13 and we've contended for that. We're not in violation of Romans 13. The churches that aren't open are in violation of Romans 13 because it says that we're to obey all positions of authority that are given by God and the authority in America and a constitutional republic is the first three words of the preamble, we the people. 
And when those who govern by our consent violate that which they swore to defend, which I had to when I took that oath of office, and that's why I resigned, because I'm not going to violate that constitution. When they violate that, it's our right and our duty to push back. So I like to consider us the brotherhood of the defiantly obedient. We are in obedience to Romans 13. And as I've been traveling with Charlie and a number of others and going across the country and pushing in these last few weeks and grateful for Pastor Rick and Kirk Cameron and, and Ken Graves covering in the pulpit, I miss everybody. But this is critical. This is probably the most critical election, certainly in my lifetime. And I think probably, with the exception of maybe 1860, probably in the United States. We're in a precip right now, a precipice. It's, it's, it's a critical election. And we're watching censorship like we've never seen. Charlie's Twitter account was taken down. Charlie Kirk. They're, they're censoring. We, we did this event called Non-Essential. And, and Facebook literally shadow banned us and shut it down. 30 million people and they couldn't get access to this. And probably tonight when we show you the clip that I did at this event called Non-Essential. We did it at Calvary Chapel Chino Hills uh, there was over 10,000 people there. The, the, I, the line was around the block. People were in the outside regions because the sanctuary was full. People are tired of this. And there's an awakening happening across the country. Churches that once never knew any other church was open have now united. And it's a wave going across the country. As we travel, we're seeing people awaken. There's still churches locally and throughout the state that stand in opposition to what we're doing. They're my fellow shepherds. I'm in full disagreement with them. I still love them. But I, I struggle. I really do. Just candidly, I struggle because liberty is not man's idea. It's God's idea. I, I, I think the best way to encapsulate all this tonight in our 200th episode is I want to show you what I said um, at the non-essential rally. Uh, we called it non-essential. Um, and this was, I, I, I spoke after Dr. Dan Erickson and he did a great job, and then I came up, and I had the, the privilege to speak, and Kirk Cameron and his team put this together, and God bless Jack Hibbs, and the war. It was, it was one of the most amazing events I've ever participated in, and the people there, they were fired up. Just listen to the crowd. I've never been in front of a crowd with such enthusiasm, and I wanted you to see it, so they might take us off the air, because they're going to shadow ban us, but let's give it a whirl, so take a look at this. Ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome Pastor Rob McCoy. Bless you guys. Bless you guys. All right, settle down. They give us seven minutes and you're not taking my time. Plus, I got stretch marks on my brain from Dr. Erickson. It's just. <laughs> November 7th, 2018, 1120 at night. I was uh, asleep. We just had a contentious election. I hadn't had much sleep. And uh, there's a knock on the sliding glass door. I opened it up. It was my daughter. She said, Dad. And at the time, I was mayor pro tem of the city of Thousand Oaks. She said, Dad. There's been a shooting at the borderline country western dance hall. Some of our congregants are there, some of the kids. It was college night. I rushed down to the command center, and as you all know, you probably saw it on the news, we lost 12 of our young people. Gunmen went in and killed them. 
We lost an officer, Officer Ron Helis. Two of the victims were from our congregation. One was a, a decorated Marine who took care of our special needs kids and he got killed. I share that because anyone who thinks I don't love my city is confused. I love my city. I ran for the city council because I wanted to serve my city. They were happy that a pastor was on the council during that tragedy. I officiated two of the funerals. I was with all the elected officials at every memorial service. Our city was surrounded by fire shortly after that. It was, it was a seminal event in the history of our, our city. I became mayor a couple weeks later. We dedicated the freeway to Officer Helis and got a park completed for the victims within a year by the anniversary, unheard of. But then on April 3rd, when I had realized that the governor of our state that I was born in, my father was born in, my grandfather, lived here my whole life. That governor said that the church wasn't essential. He said cannabis distributors were essential, liquor stores, abortion clinics. But he said the church wasn't essential. We opened up. But on April 3rd, hang on, all right. <laughs> I warned you. <laughs> on April 3rd, it was Saturday. April 4th was Palm Sunday. It was the beginning of our Holy Week. Communion is a sacrament. And, and we, we didn't know the severity of the virus. So we practiced everything that a essential organization would do. We, we, at Sanctuary Holds 400, we had 10 seats. It took three and a half hours to do communion. But on April 3rd, when the news got out and it hit across the country, I realized at that moment, the colleagues who I love and I serve with on the council would be inundated and have to censure me. And they'd still be having to censure me because I'm still in violation of the governor. We followed the rules, the moving metrics. Every week, the governor would change the goalposts while all of us suffered. The cure was worse than the virus itself. Yeah, preach it, sister. And then, as we were abiding by the governor's mandates, the riots began in Los Angeles. And he embraced them and praised them and blessed them as they were shoulder to shoulder, no mass, as 75% of the businesses that had been burned and looted were Jewish owned, targeted, hate crime. And we said, that's enough. And May 31st, we opened wide. been wide open since May 31st. Here we are in October. They got a political and predictable judge who placed on us an emergency restraining order. He said that uh, I would be cited in a thousand does, visitors or congregants. And on the day that we were to violate the restraining order, the church was packed to capacity, but more importantly, 
More than a thousand people were on the outside because churches drove from Southern California to surround it. Wait. And they said, we came so that we would get the citation so you could worship in peace. That's the body of Christ. We've been fined, threatened, whatever. The governor wants us to take down people's names. That ain't gonna happen. And since being wide open, one thing I forgot to mention. We haven't had one case of COVID. Now, they put me on the witness stand. You don't put a guilty man on the witness stand, but our attorney, he's gutsy. Robert Tyler, Tyler Birch, support him, faith, freedom. Yeah, good, good folks, pro bono. And anyways, he puts me on the stand. I have to swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God. And we did a Freedom of Information Act and of the tragic 150 plus deaths in our county attributed to COVID, we found out that only two were from COVID, the rest were with. A 94 year old male and a woman in her late 70s. We had a fentanyl overdose of a young man and when he died, he tested positive for COVID. They called it a COVID death. Now, many folks in the body of Christ said I'm in violation of Romans 13. Now you respect all positions of authority, they're governed by, they're appointed by God. And you know what? I agree with their interpretation of Romans 13, but there's a problem. They haven't served in office like I have, and they don't understand who the authority is in Romans 13, because in the Constitution, the first three words of the preamble declare who the authority is in Romans 13. We the people! willing to give up the rest of my talk just to hear that all day. <laughs> let, me let, me, let me close with this. I've had pushback from some pastors. I love the shepherds. I know that they're, they're peace loving. They don't like conflict. I get that. That's their heart. They're trying to navigate this. It's unfamiliar waters. But at this point, when we know that 6% of the entire idea of the CDC deaths is from, not with, and, and, and we know all this stuff, and we, know, we now know the severity of the virus, we know all about it, the comorbidities and who it affects, we know what to do. And I'm, I'm burdened, burdened because they're not open. And we wrote a letter to one of the largest churches, the largest churches, we want, in, in the state. We said, why aren't you open? And they wrote us back and said, well, we're feeding the homeless, we're open every day, we're feeding the homeless, we're caring for people in need. But we've, you know, and they go through the whole list of all they're doing, but then they said this, we're not a political church. We do take the safety of our members and community very seriously, and out of love and concern, we are not meeting in a large group for weekend services. And I replied. <laughs> I'll conclude with this, so I'm over, I gotta go quick. I wrote, I recognize the choice that your church made was out of love and concern, but you cannot say you're not political. Politics is the highest form of community and that 
It combines morality and sociability. Those pastors who have chosen to fully open their churches deeply love their communities and their congregants and are also very concerned for the health and safety of their communities just like you. However, to say that you are not political is not accurate. You have chosen to politically stand by your silence and submission with tyrannical officials who have ruined our economy, closed our schools, divided our people between essential and non-essential and declared churches non-essential. You stated that your church has weathered the financial storm, but don't lose sight of the fact that these draconian actions by our state government have financially destroyed many other congregations and they will never reopen. You marched with BLM Inc. even though their actions resulted in the innocent citizens losing everything they own and 75% of the businesses in Los Angeles that were burned and looted were Jewish owned and targeted. How can you say that you're not political? The pastors that have opened their churches are maligned and ridiculed and you have said nothing in their defense and yet in love and great concern for their communities, these churches stand against tyrannical government, a tyrannical government that has forced their neighbors' businesses into bankruptcy, forced the abused in their communities to be quarantined with their abusers, forced the elderly to die alone, all while the government officials have received full paychecks provided by your punished neighbors whose taxes are the highest in the nation. These churches have been fined and shuttered and yet you complicitly stand with these tyrannical politicians and their views and actions as being acceptable for a virus that isn't even calculated like every other virus in our nation's history, but instead is measured by who has contracted it and 85% of the people tested didn't even know they had it. You are complicit with our governor who continues to trample small businesses of California with shifting impossible metrics to reopen, all while the state's homeless population and poverty rates now lead the entire nation. Politically, your church consentingly and silently waits downstream to collect the human heartache they help create by complying to this government malfeasance. You are political even if you choose to think you are not. Let's reopen California. Church is open. We're essential. God bless you. Well, there you have it. that, that kind of encapsulates what the week was about. And that's where we are, not only as a state, but as a nation. There's a push in these last few days up until November 3rd. This is, this is a nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with these inalienable rights. Does government give the rights or does God? God does. Liberty is not man's idea. Liberty is God's idea. And when Jesus said to his disciples, who do men say that I am at Caesarea Philippi? And they said, you're the, some say you're John the Baptist. Jeremiah says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And upon this rock, I will build my, and everyone says church. No, I've told you this, you know this. It's not church. It's called ecclesia. Ecclesia, if you go and you look at the Koine Greek and you study it, this is what Tyndale was burned at the stake for. This is what he contended when he put the Bible and the word of God into the English language as churches were burning the Bible that was written in the English language to provide it for the common man so they couldn't be ruled by tyranny and despotism. And Tyndale died for this. And when he translated that word correctly, you see, Jesus didn't use a religious term. He didn't say synagogue, he didn't say temple. 
He said ecclesia. The Koine word for that, the Koine Greek word for that is public square. Public square. He wanted us to contend for the freedom of mankind by participating in the governance that would set the captives free. You're given a nation conceived in liberty. And it is one of the people, by the people, and for the people. And it requires participation. And if the church doesn't awaken to its responsibility, let me tell you something. While we've been doing church, the left, the secular progressives have been doing ecclesia. They have dominated the public square while we've been concerned with the buildings. While we've been playing church and causing the gospel to be truncated and myopic, they have taken the freedom of mankind. And we are this close to a total transformation of the freest nation on earth where 86 cents of every dollar in evangelism comes from the United States of America. And if you bind the strong man, then you can wipe him out and plunder the goods and there's no more freedom. And so at 200 episodes, I never thought we'd be here. And this is a rally cry. Some of you are saying, I wish Pastor Rob was in church. I wish he was preaching. Some of you are saying, I'm glad he's not. (laughs) Wherever you fall on that one, it's irrelevant. I can tell you right now, there's no time for complaining. Pour it all out. Leave it on the field. Fight for this. Participate like you've never done before. Call as many people as you can. Do whatever you can. But get this done. Because this nation is too precious to lose. For 244 years, you've been protected. When I say you, I mean America. You've been protected by men and women who have bled and died to give you this gift of freedom. You say, well, we're the land of the free and the home of the brave. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. And I used to say, and I was wrong actually, I used to say freedom is intrinsic in every human heart. I don't believe that anymore. And I don't think the scriptures teach it. You see, when we studied the three to five million Jews that were enslaved in Egypt crying out to God for freedom, God sent Moses, a man who was 80 years old, leathered, sun-weathered. He had been shepherding goats in the Midian desert. God takes this man to go set these slaves free. He contends with Pharaoh And he says, I am, that's what God told him to tell Pharaoh God's name was, I am. I am has told me to tell you, let my people go. At which point Pharaoh, Mussolini, Pharaoh said, who is God that I should obey him? It's non-essential. He said, I'll show you what I'm going to do. And so he doubles the brick output and reduces the materials. And here's what happens. The three to five million people who wanted freedom, 
The three to five million people who are tired of slavery. The three to five million people who are tired of being muzzled and distanced. The three to five million people who were sheltered in place and and separated from their loved ones, dying in a hospital. The three to five million people whose children can no longer go to school and can't play with their neighbors. The three to five million people whose lives have been absolutely disrupted when it required effort on their part, they got angry at Moses. People want freedom. They just don't want to work for it. And that's how we got here. Evil will do everything it can to enslave and destroy. Freedom requires effort. Liberty must be exercised. And when Benjamin Franklin was asked by a woman after the Constitutional Convention, Mr. Franklin, what kind of government have you given us? And he said, a republic, madam, if you can keep it. And the only way you keep it is you fight for it. You contend for it. You don't wish it. You don't hope for it. You work for it. And it's really critical. Everyone needs to work for this. Churches, you need to open. If you're not open now, you're, you're borderline complicit because you know and you did nothing. You, you, you know what's happening to our community. You say you love your neighbor, but you're watching as our economy's been devastated and we now know the data. You're without excuse at this point. And you can't say that what you're doing is because you're not political. Your silence is political because you're complicit with tyranny. Silence in the face of evil is complicit with evil itself. So, 200 episodes. I never thought it would result in the lockdown being even heavier as the numbers have decreased. The tyranny has increased the churches are shut, and we are the ones found in contempt. All because we did 200 episodes of telling you the truth to set you free, for God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And now it boils down to this. Now that you know, what are you going to do? Now that you know, what are you going to do? And this isn't about you, and it's not about me. It's for the generations to come because you and I are here because of what 244 years of faithfulness has protected. And now this will be our finest hour. And so at 200 episodes, I say to all of you, thank you for being a part of this and being that rallying cry. Now let's light it up and let's set the captives free. 200 episodes, 200 episodes. It's time to preserve the liberty that God gave us, that this nation conceived in that liberty and this nation dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal will not disappear from the face of the earth. God bless you all. I'll close as we've done with every episode with a blessing upon you out of numbers. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace isn't the absence of conflict. It's the presence of Christ in the midst of it. Contend for it. It's worth it. God bless you all. I'll see you Sunday and tomorrow night as well. God bless you. Good night.